0: Web3 will not exist in isolation, this feeling that everybody's going to throw their solutions away, you know, the millions that they spent on the ERP systems, and we're all suddenly going to go onto Ethereum and that will replace everything, it's not going to happen, right? Web3 is a component in the digital tool set which will be used to power the metaverse and new opportunities, and, and with it you have ERP systems, you have AI. You've got 5G connectivity. You've got a number of, and, and database technology, a number of solutions, uh, technology solutions that need to come together. And I think blockchain will start to get the adoption
1: where that integration happens. Hi, I'm Connor and founder of Web3 Labs and your host of the Web3 Innovators podcast, where you'll hear from those folks changing the face of finance and other industries with Web3 and blockchain technologies. Each week, I speak to a new guest who shares insights from their own journey with Web3, giving you a chance to learn about the challenges they've faced along the way and how it's impacting their industry right now and will in the future. If you enjoy this episode, please remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating and review, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. My guest today is David Palmer. David is a digital visionary and global platform innovator. He's the Vodafone business lead for blockchain technology and he's been key to exploiting the application of blockchain to telecoms and wider business. David is an expert on the convergence of digital technologies with new business models and he's currently exploring the opportunities associated with IoT, blockchain, DeFi and the metaverse. So David, it's great to be speaking to you again. Uh, Connor,
0: it feels like an age since we last spoke. I, I remember it. I think we were still in COVID. And I remember it was one of the first podcasts I did sort of coming back uh, post that period. And I enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm really glad that I got an invitation to come back. Thank you.
1: It was, it was also episode number one as well. So it's uh, a really good milestone. Like we're, around, we're over 50 episodes now. So it's uh, great to see that. But for those of you who you know, haven't listened to that episode, uh, hopefully they will after this. But what was your story? You know, was it crypto, blockchain, or Web3? What pulled you in?
0: Definitely blockchain. I mean, I believe that, that Web3 you know, is a wider uh, tool set of sort of decentralized enablers. And it's building on blockchain. But blockchain is with uh, that. And the, the excitement of decentralization, the excitement of changing money and the way we bank and the way we interact and bringing intelligence is one of the few technological innovations that's excited me uh, in a while.
1: And now you were responsible for getting some of the significant initiatives off the ground at Vodafone in this space and it's some time ago now. So how did you go from that awareness of blockchain technology to actually making it what you're living and breathing and driving forward a lot of work with, with InVodafone.
0: How did I get into it? I've been working around telco for a while, around some of the key things that's now powering this digital world. So ADSL, broadband, DSL uh, was the first thing. When that was just launching in the UK, uh, I was involved. (laughs) And then uh, working on fiber to the premises, which is the evolution of, of broadband, where you're starting to get faster speeds due to sort of fiber and that's including in to the premises, then uh, IoT and, and then blockchain. So I've always sort of been around telecoms, but I, I saw an opportunity for blockchain to really reshape the telco business model and present new opportunities. So, so I think that was pretty key to, to sort of myself exploring blockchain uh, for Vodafone and looking at the use cases you know, that could be applied. I remember myself and a colleague, Joaquin. And George Bento, 1 December, writing a paper on blockchain and what it could do for Telco. And this was in the early days when a lot of people didn't even know what it was. So really exciting um, to do that. And then and that exploration in the dark uh, sort of led led us to where we are now, right, with a, a new platform, several initiatives and, and more recognition.
1: It's taken years for you to get to this point as well, right? It's not like uh, it was something, you know, a, a few months ago you said, you know, let, let's start doing some stuff here. You've been grinding away at this stuff for some time to get the the momentum internally, but also just to, I guess, prove it to people as well. There must have been a lot of, like, naysayers and so on along the way who you'd had to con- convince otherwise.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we had, as you can guess, a sort of dedicated community, small community. Uh, in Vodafone of blockchain evangelists who were sort of looking at blockchain to solve every sort of problem that you could have. We we took a very business focus, a a very external-centric business focus to the application of blockchain. And and we we worked to to look at four use cases which we could take to what we called uh, an MVP, so POCs, and then what we could do, take that to a minimal viable protocol, I call it. And uh, one of them was roaming. And that's an obvious fit because you've got a a number of telco players who need to trust each other to settle bills or charges for uh, customers who are roaming on each other's platforms. So blockchain as a center for trust and transaction settlement made a lot of sense there. That is now live. Uh, So that was one of the proof of concepts that that, that, is now live. A colleague of mine, Manuela, got it sort of instrumental in bringing that forward. Uh, but, But that's now live with other operators. The other one was Supply Chain, so Smart Supply Chain, and and they call it Trust Your Supplier. That's something which was really looking at uh, bringing trust to the supply chain and efficiencies. That was one of the four POCs to take the MVP. That that one is now live. The other one was Price Manager, so it was looking at uh, price auctioning and milestones on the blockchain for pricing. And of course, the big one that I'm involved in and um, I'm a founder of, innovator of, is called the Digital Asset Broker. This one was slightly different because it wasn't just using blockchain for trust. It was really using blockchain to create a whole new business for IoT devices. And we really thought that, you know, with Vodafone being a leader in IoT connecting devices, I believe there's 160 million of them now. You know, we saw that blockchain could create trust between these devices. So give them an interoperable digital identity, give them a wallet, give them smart contracts. And you have the tool set for these devices to start transacting with each other, the blockchain acting as the key enabler. And, and this gives rise to what we call the economy of things, uh, which has a decentralized layer to it. But that platform is now live and open
1: for business. And uh, it's really exciting. Yeah, this is great. Great to see it. And I guess one, one of the, the showcase uh, initiatives with that was with the the actual charging of electric vehicles as well.
0: Yeah, so, of course, what I've learned, so I'm a protocol man, a platform man, and initially when we started looking at it, it it's, okay, everyone's going to come and use the platform. And I used to actually argue with people who said, okay, nobody's going to use it. You need a use case. And I said, no, we don't need a use case. It's just a platform. Actually, a use case is is pretty important to show the value of the protocol and the value of the capabilities. So the first use case that we've looked at, we looked at a number of them, but the first use case that we're going live with or we've gone live with is electronic vehicle charging and you can just see the application here. Number one is that Europe alone needs 1.2 million chargers by 2025. So in the next three years uh, we need to deploy 1.2 million chargers, and we can see some of the stats from some of the major auto manufacturers that by 2030 they will not make any conventional fuel vehicles anymore and their entire production will be electric vehicles. So we've got this combination Of a number of chargers that need uh, electronic vehicle chargers that need to be deployed, uh, a number of EVs coming onto the roads, and the infrastructure not being there, the standards not being there, and and the experience not being there. And for digital asset broker, uh, where essentially you're providing identity, so this interoperable identity uh, that allows, in this case, the charger to communicate and trust the car, or the car to trust the charger, is pretty important for that provides a wallet. So you think that D A B can provide the car with a wallet and the charger with a wallet and it provides smart contract and automated payment capability uh, linked to the wallet which facilitates the transaction. And we have implemented all of those things for E V charging to have a interoperable automated transaction application and feed of API enablers for E V charging. We're really excited about it. And uh, yeah, we're getting a great great response.
1: And it's definitely one of those areas where having like this real world thing, i.e an EV, you know, there actually plugging into a charger, and behind the scenes, it's using these rails that you've created. So uh, there, it's uh, it kind of makes it a lot more real than it just being this purely digital stuff that's taking place, uh, yeah, online only. Just having it grounded in reality, there.
0: It's great because I mean, I was giving a talk in not in North America, but to a North American audience on how you can harness blockchain for business. And I was able to show them that not only can I talk about this conceptually, but, but you know, big companies like Vodafone are actually doing it. The, you know, there is a blockchain-based solution out there, uh, which has been implemented with some of the biggest companies in mobility in the world uh, and energy. And Web3 and blockchain are a key component of that. And I think that's, that, that's really exciting. And, and I think we'll see more of it. So, so I'm, I'm expecting to see more and more sort of solutions going live with business enterprise and blockchain but i think what's special about digital asset broker and ev charging is that it's also helping a real problem you know this is something that is probably the biggest transformation of of mobility since us to the car <laughs> and we're in the middle of it and you know we're, we're putting blockchain and web3 in the middle of that solution as well so yeah exciting things
1: yeah definitely it's certainly one of those things that you, you're really very aware of. You go to like a supermarket car park or any car park, really, and you'll see like there's one or two chargers at most in this place, which can have like hundreds of cars in it at any one time. And you think that in 10 years time, you'd expect a significant number of those to be electric. How on earth is that charging going to work? Because the, the infrastructure has got so far to go right now.
0: Yeah, but but think about it is, uh, you know, one of the things that we, we saw with DeFi and, and blockchain and decentralized powering that is that DeFi, you know, allow people or participants or communities or members of the community to become banks, right? You're democratizing banking. And we have the yield farms and liquidity pools, but but essentially it's allowing people to invest capital and get a return, right, which, which you weren't able to do before. And in the same way, Web3 and blockchain, in terms of the rollout of EV chargers and the infrastructure that's needed to support it, can actually allow businesses and people to democratize that rollout of infrastructure. You know, And one of the capabilities that we're, we're also supporting for charging, EV charging and the infrastructure rollout, uh, which is linked to this 1.2 billion new EV charges needed by 2025, is something we call asset as a service. And, and really you know, using the same technology, Web3 technologies that we're using to power the transaction. Uh, We're actually using it to to actually handle the financing as well, where essentially members of uh, the finance or finance organizations or manufacturers can really roll out charges and go into business with the charge point operators. They're not saying, okay, here's the finance, pay me back every month. Actually, with smart contract IoT and the DAB platform, you can actually say, you know, for every charge, I'm going to execute a smart contract to pay back the financer. And we believe that this could be pretty significant in the rollout of charges
1: as well. So it just starts to open up all these other ways in which these things can happen compared with what has been the conventional approach where you'll have like a vendor providing the service and that being it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the key theme of of Web3. If you look at tokenization, NFTs for art and music, tokenization for asset markets, DeFi for financial markets, essentially Web3 can bring new liquidity. That, that, that's what it's doing, it's bringing new liquidity to assets. And I, I believe that with DAB, we can do the same for the electric vehicle and energy markets. That's really, really cool to see.
1: And for those people who are still kind of somewhat cautiously or even, even just not bought into the potential for blockchain within their organizations or their industry, what advice would you give to them?
0: I don't think we can be too idealistic and too academic. You know, I, I think there's a lot of, quite rightly, a lot of labeling that in organizations, there's a lot of people who are, are advocating them web-free and looking for a solution uh, for it. And I don't believe that blockchain is particularly useful for internal purposes, uh, because you have it trust internally. It's really useful for external purposes, where, where your business is interfacing with other businesses and people and, and you need that trust and the automation that blockchain brings to power new business models. And that would be my advice. It's it's and this this was advice I got from the CTO uh, of Vodafone, which is look for the business, right? Look for the business purpose. Look look for the business benefit, and then go from there. And I think yeah, if that principle is followed, I think there's one scenario where blockchain can. Enhance your existing business, so if you're in supply chain logistics, for example, or retail, anything that's external-facing. Blockchain can really bring new business. It can enhance your existing business, including in finance. we are seeing a lot of banks employing some Web3 uh, as well, especially for cross-border transactions. There's a way where Web3 can enhance new business. But when we start talking about Web3 and we start bringing in the metaverse, it's very, very exciting, the, the new business opportunities that Web3 can power. And some of those new opportunities will be filled by startups. And there's a lot of emphasis and financing of startups who are doing some great and innovative things. But, but some of it will be filled by existing businesses who will adopt Web3 and augment Web3 with their existing systems and processes to, to meet that. And I think that, that comes to a point uh, in terms of advice, which is Web3 will not exist in isolation. This feeling that everybody's going to throw their solutions away, you know, the millions that they spent on ERP systems. And we're all suddenly going to go onto to Ethereum, and that will replace everything. It's not going to happen, right? Web3 is a component in the digital tool set, which will be used to power the metaverse and new opportunities. And, and with it, you have ERP systems, you have AI, uh, you've got 5G connectivity, you've got a number of, and, and database technology, a number of solutions, uh, technology solutions that need to come together. And I think blockchain will start to get the adoption where that integration happens with existing systems. And then that will start to power businesses being able to transition to incorporate Web3 in their in their solutions and to to realise some of these opportunities. And I think the the metaverse and this five trillion opportunity by 2030 that McKinsey are are forecasting is going to be absolutely key to focus attention on how we can do that effectively.
1: And with respect to the sort of metaverse type initiatives, it's one of those areas that, you know, there's an absolute case for how it can create new experiences and so on for people. In the same way that we've seen NFTs become like a a mainstream sort of asset insofar as people actually... Buying N- NFTs in some cases, anyway, for their you know pure utility. We spoke previously with um, the Palm and NFT Studio on this, and they're they're selling like DC Comics through their platform uh, at, at reasonable prices as NFTs. But the thinking in terms of the metaverse, with your kind of I guess Vodafone lens on, what what are some of the ways in which these corporate like Vodafone or a telco can I think, re- create some new opportunity within this sort of forthcoming space?
0: yeah i mean i think the metaverse fantastic in terms of the numbers some disappointment initially uh, because i think the focus especially from meta was around xr glasses for the purchase of oculus and and we haven't seen the movement there that we would have expected but in terms of you know businesses and realizing opportunities in the metaverse i think the 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 first thing is that uh, you look at what i call the keys to the metaverse you have things like ai and the data economy I think the majority, 90% of the data that we have now has been produced in the last 10 years. As we move to the metaverse, the amount of data we generate is gonna uh, multiply 100 hundredfold. How that data is used for inference, how it's used to drive customer experience, how it's used to improve services, you know, how it's used to to direct you know, our next steps online—it will be absolutely critical. And how we manage that data and how effective we are at it is a huge business opportunity. The other one that, in, in terms of opportunity for business, is uh, obviously tokens, uh, which are the currency of, uh, will be the currency of the metaverse. Uh, as you move between different ecosystems, you move from a game to uh, real estate to metaverse retail, uh, and these different business environments, people are indicating that they will want to carry assets and value with them across these metaverses. And you know token economy and, and how that's managed will be a key business opportunity, a key enabler of the metaverse. Then you get into the core things. So you get into things like connectivity, how you connect people in the metaverse, how they access it. So obviously 5G, a lot of discussion about 5.5G and 6G being key enablers of the metaverse. because so the metaverse is gonna be a 5 trillion opportunity, then it won't just be people in glasses at home. Uh, you need to be able to access it, in my view, from the 6 billion smartphones uh, that are in operation across the globe. You need to be able to access it in your car, at the gym, at work, uh, when you're traveling. So the the innovation in terms of how you access that, that immersive experience and the hardware around that will be very, very important, as will innovation around how we connect people at low latency and speed. And all of the processing around that will also be critical as well as an enabler. And then we get to what I think are are sort of two key enablers. One of them is what I call the world of wallets. I may have mentioned this on the last podcast, but I I said this two years ago, and I just sort of marked it, but we are moving towards a world of wallets. We're seeing that with EIA-2.0 in Europe and other initiatives around the world. Uh, And the EIA-2.0 is talking about the European identity wallet and sort of verifiable credentials, or they call them attestable credentials in, in, in their language. But while the wallet is a big opportunity, because the wallet really allows us to store identities, but also store payment, multiple payment credentials and manage those. And I think it's a massive opportunity for Web3 to power the automation behind that and the tokens behind it. Uh, but it's also a massive organization for for businesses that uh, you know provide services around those wallets. And the other one, um, which I think is a key enabler and a key to the metaverse that hasn't really been taken advantage of is digital identity, or we call it decentralized digital identity, otherwise known as self-sovereign digital identity. But digital identity and having a portable identity that can go between different metaverses with trust that can relate back to KYC and AML and can relate back to where you live and where you contract and where you're liable as a business or a person or an IOT device is gonna be absolutely critical for the metaverse. Uh, And and it's one of the killer applications I think of Web3 and blockchain that has not got the adoption that it should have. But I think initiatives like EIDAS 2.0 and others, uh, we're starting to see the the building blocks in place for that to take off. And I think services around identity are gonna be absolutely critical and a, a massive business opportunity.
1: Yeah, and it's just like one of those ones that's like a no-brainer for any large corporate with a significant customer base. That that business of issuing ver- verified credentials, like it's they, they should all be scrambling to do it, right?
0: I agree totally. It's it's one of the things. I mean, I I used to say tokenization is blockchain's killer app, uh, and then I said digital identity are you know is, is blockchain or Web three killer app. I actually believe really, both of them will be very very significant in the metaverse.
1: Yeah, so fingers crossed, we'll actually start seeing some real traction there shortly as well as some some of these more initiatives like the one coming out of the EU mentioned uh, come to fruition. Okay, so let's fast forward to the future. You've touched on some of the projections in terms of where industry will be with respect to the the electric vehicle landscape and also the metaverse. But for you personally, 10 years from now, how do you think that this Web3 and blockchain technology will be manifesting itself in our day-to-day lives?
0: That's a really good question. So from an idealistic point of view, you know, I I would like to be part of blockchain really making a difference to reset some of the boundaries and the playing field that we have now globally. There's still millions of people on banks. There's still millions of people around the globe who don't have access to financial services. There's millions of people who are in poverty, millions of people who who don't have, have access to business or a career or jobs or career paths. And it would be really exciting to see Web3 fill that void, bank beyond bank, give people opportunities, give them trusted credentials that can be accepted by by the mainstream, and really uh, fill the void of this sort of two-phase world that we have, where you have a sort of developed world, which has all the connectivity and the speed and the opportunities, and then you have billions of people outside of it who aren't able to access the opportunity. And it would be a real shame... In 10 years, if we have sort of metaverse opportunity that's 10 trillion, uh, and that's only enjoyed by sort of developed countries, I would really love for Web3 to democratize access to that opportunity, uh, you know, and, and, and extend wallets and connectivity and, and access to the brilliance around the world. So, so that's something I would like. Just going back to the sort of fundamentals of, of the question, I think in 10 years, we won't be talking about blockchain. and We won't be talking about protocols. We won't be talking about the technology. You'll we'll be talking about the experience. And I think the manifestation of that, I always use this example, Connor, but the manifestation of that will be traveling to a different country and not having to pull your passport out, but using your phone and just giving in advance the border control and whoever else needs to see your travel credential uh, ability to see it. And they use something like uh, zero knowledge proof to just check whether the credentials is valid. What that means for me is I get in my car Um, I go to the airport, I just walk through the barrier, uh, because it will automatically check my travel ticket uh, credential. It will automatically, uh, at the gate, check my passport credential, my travel credential, and I'll just walk on the plane and it will be seamless. And if we have something like COVID or there's a vaccination needed, it can automatically check my health credential. And I think that will be powered by blockchain, Uh, will be powered by things like zero knowledge proofs. The application will be decentralized identity and verifiable credentials, but the manifestation of it will be a new world where we move away from this Victorian system we have now, this hybrid system where all of the infrastructure and all of the record keeping is is digital and in the cloud, but we still have this legacy of these paper documents with a written pen signature that we carry around to prove our identity. It's pathetic. It really is because it's actually just creating a lot of friction, but, but I, I think Web3, combined with existing systems, you know can power this new seamless world. And I, I believe the same thing will happen with finance with tokens, with this new immersive digital world that we call the metaverse, uh, where we have a new way of interacting online with our identities, a new way of experiencing things and paying for them. Uh, you know Metaverse universities, metaverse learning, metaverse experiences. All of that, with blockchain and Web three being a key part of it, you are know, allowing me to hold currency and have peer to peer transactions and have my credentials, which I control, uh, my data, which I control, as a currency, which can be used with others. So that's
1: the world I see in ten years. Yeah, it would certainly be nice to to get to that point and. What what you're saying about these throwbacks to the sort of Victorian uh, era, I I think uh, Balahi, he talks about this this idea of how the first stage of digitization is basically taking the real world thing as it is and treating the digital version as kind of equivalent. But that's not really where the innovation is. The innovation is when it goes on to the next phase where it becomes more of a digital native thing and you're not kind of caught back in these historical references to the physical object there. Absolutely, absolutely. So, David, if people want to see what you're up to, I know you're super prolific on LinkedIn. You put out a lot of great posts there, but is, is LinkedIn the best place for them to reach out to you or are there other specific places, that good ways to connect?
0: absolutely. Uh, LinkedIn uh, would be uh, the best place to contact me. And I'm planning some posts over the holiday period and put out some, some sort of content on the metaverse. So, yeah, that would be the best place to keep up with what I'm thinking and what I'm doing. And uh, also, just uh, watch out for the Vodafone Digital Asset Broker website, which is launched. The way we're regularly updating on that platform, uh, which is live, and uh, we're developing new features and new use cases, and and doing a lot with EV charging. So, if you want to see that, please go to the DigitalAssetBroker.com and see what
1: we're doing. We'll include links to both of those in the show notes, mm-hmm. uh, David. It's been fantastic to catch up again. I look forward to our next conversation.
0: Yeah. And and also, uh, I think since our our last uh, podcast, I'd like to also congratulate you on the great book, uh, which I have read and I do push on my travels as well. So really congrats on getting that out. And I think that's a, a great contribution to the Web3 community and to business expression.
1: Thank you. Okay. appreciate that, David. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. I have a quick favour to ask. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to it. Leave a five-star rating and review it. Even if it's just a few words, we'd love to hear from you, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. Until next time.